right, welcome, 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 good morning. Here we go, we got hammers in hand, let's do the cheers thing. With my left hand. Oh, that's a little, yeah, watch it, buddy, watch <laughs> it, man. Um, if you're wondering why we have hammers in our hand, it's not because this uh, message is going to devolve into violence or anything like that. No, we, <laughs> we had a conversation about how like we shouldn't pretend to hit each other in the head and things like that when we got started. You're already breaking the rules, man. Sorry. No, uh, we're br- we both brought hammers up with us this morning because I want you to consider what a hammer actually is or how unique and interesting a hammer is. It's actually going to serve as a pretty good symbol for our message this morning. If you think about it, a hammer is used by tradesmen in two completely opposite ways, isn't it? How many guys are in the trades here in the building? Are manly men? Yes, all right. A few of you guys, manly ladies too, forgive me. Um, So yeah, look, um, if you consider a hammer, okay, this same tool, what? Manly ladies. Manly ladies, yeah. Uh, We're already going off the rails here, man. Uh, I told you not to bonk me in the head. So consider the fact, consider the fact that you can use this same tool to build a house or to tear it down. The same tool is used in construction and demolition, isn't it? If you you pay attention, you can use it for purposes that build and purposes that destroy. The only difference really is in how this particular tool gets used day to day. Hear me now. Communication is the exact same way in your marriage. Communication, healthy communication, has the power to build your marriage, Mm -hmm. to build your house. And how many of you guys know unhealthy communication has the power to destroy it as well? The power to tear it down to the studs, to raise it down to the foundation so that nothing useful, nothing uh, habitable or welcoming is even left, all right? In fact, when we do... um, uh, like marital counseling, whether it's premarital or crisis counseling, one of the most common things we hear couples saying is like, Dan, we know, Amber, we know, our communication is just bad. We can't even have a single conversation without it turning into an argument. If you have ever felt that way, then we've got good news for you today. That we wanna help you to develop some healthy communication patterns in your relationship, in your marriage, because the Bible talks to us about how important healthy communication actually is. Yeah, in Ephesians 4.29, it says, do not let any destructive talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I mean, do you see that? The importance, like a hammer, your words can either destroy or they can build. And uh, it's only in in how we use them, right? That's the difference. It is. So what we want to do today is we want to take some of the communication principles that we typically cover in our premarital counseling sessions, and often we cover in crisis uh, counseling sessions as well, and kind of give them to you. And I'm going to be upfront with you. Today is going to be a little more workshop than sermon. Are you okay with that? It's going to be very practical, lots of handles. If you're new to Connect, you're like, oh man, is this what they do every week? No, but this is what we do every so often because we want to see marriages thrive. We want to see relationships thrive. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, hey, I'm not even married, so I don't think this is going to be applicable. No, healthy communication is key and critical to every single relationship you have. So I'm going to challenge you today, whether you're married or not, to lean in. Yes. 
to, to focus in, even take some notes, because I think there might be some things worth writing down here today. This stuff that you're going to see from the word and from our experience, it really has the power to help um, benefit and shape all your relationships with your coworkers, with your kids, yes. with your connect group, yes. with your spouse, okay? So why don't we get started? We're going to begin by discussing a destructive form of communication and then talk about a constructive. Remember, communication can be destructive or constructive. So destructive communication is is one way. Destructive communication is one-way communication. Now, we're moving downtown. In fact, we move tomorrow, but we've already got possession of our place downtown, and so we've been downtown a lot. We haven't been in the core of Calgary a whole lot up to this point. We go down every so often for, like, dinner and stuff like that, but you know what we're discovering? There are a lot of one-way roads downtown, okay? I cannot tell you how many times I have tried to go east on 4th Street, Like, that's the kind of main road that runs east-west from our uh, house. And I got to tell you, I always want to make a left right there, but I can't. Why? Because it's a one-way street. And if you only have direction or traffic flowing in one single direction, if you try to go the opposite way, mm, it causes all kinds of problems. And listen, this one-way street is a really good picture of a lot of communication that happens Mm -hmm. in relationships, in marriages, at work, things like that. It only flows one way. People are talking at each other, but not talking with each other. Sounds a little bit like the world that we live in today. See, when we think of one-way communication, a lot of times we get the idea, oh, well, one person is talking and the other person is not talking. No, no, no. There's plenty of talking going back and forth. There's no listening. So the communication is only one way. I'm talking at you. I'm not talking with you. See, most of us think that communication happens when I speak my truth. If I get to tell you what I think or how I feel here in the moment, As long as I'm expressing myself, then we are or I am communicating. But that's not how communication actually works. That's venting. And sometimes venting can be good and fun and maybe even helpful, I suppose. But it's not real communication. One of my favorite quotes is by the playwright George Bernard Shaw. And he said, the single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. Wow. Let me say it again. The single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. There are a lot of relationships that are under the illusion that they're communicating because both people are talking. Mm -hmm. But communication, good, constructive communication, it happens not just with the mind and the mouth, okay, but it happens also with the heart and with the ears. We've got to be willing to listen as much as we speak. You know, another form of sneaky communication um, or deconstructive communication is unspoken expectations, or sometimes mm-hmm. we like to call these secret contracts. Yeah. So a secret contract is an expectation that you have on somebody else in a relationship that you have never communicated mm-hmm. about. Yep. So um, let's say you saw your mama always cooking dinner for her husband and providing and cleaning up the house. So you have an expectation in your marriage that that's going to happen, but you never communicated that before you got married. Mm. And if you're expecting that, that's probably going to bring out some trouble in your marriage or in your job, in your workplace. You have an expectation that you're going to get that promotion. You're going to be the next runner up. You're going to get that big job, but you've never communicated to your boss that you even want it. You're just saying, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get it. Let me tell you, this actually happened to me. So I was in college and I was working at Bath and Body Works. Has anybody ever worked in the mall during Christmas time? 
Anybody? Yeah. Oh. It is intense, intense <laughs> working in the mall at Christmas. So I had a seasonal job. I got hired for seasonal health, Bath and Body Works. I'm just smelling all the stuff. And um, and then I think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just prove my worth. I'm going to sell like crazy. I just had the best. I was like, have you ever washed your hands without water before? Check out this hand sanitizer. Like, I was so good. And, um, and man... And I thought, they're going to keep me on. But I never told my boss that I wanted to keep that job. I had a secret contract with my boss. And then when the time came, they were like, oh, we didn't know. You wanted to stay on. We've already filled all those positions. I was so let down, you guys. And that's my fault. That's my part. I didn't communicate my expectation. We also see this in church. People can join the team and they're like, you know what? That girl, she's going to notice me when I start serving. They're going to start dating me because I'm all in. Or I'm gonna get I'm gonna get that leadership position. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get on stage when I start serving. And you have a secret contract that you're not communicating with leadership. You just yeah. have an expectation, and then you're gonna get into this role, and you're not gonna be brought up. Your expectation is not fulfilled, and you're let down. And then you're gonna walk away from church because your expectation wasn't met because yeah. you never communicated it. And you know, it happens thing, everywhere. The thing here is that these secret contracts. There's there's nothing wrong with wanting these things. You know, if, if there's a girl that's caught your eye, there's nothing wrong with that. If you say, hey, I would like to take on more responsibility and leadership in the church, or I do have these expectations on my partner, they're not necessarily wrong. They could be, but they're not wrong just because you have them. The problem is you don't communicate them. Right. That's one way. In your mind, you know what's supposed to happen or what you want to happen, but healthy communication is two-way. I'm actually verbalizing, and then I'm letting you return what it is that I'm saying to you. So destructive communication is one way. Obviously, then constructive communication has to be a Mm two-way street. Mm -hmm. It has to involve both speaking and listening. I'm going to go like elementary school teacher on you for a moment and remind you that God gave you two ears and one mouth, all right? We really should be listening a whole lot more than we are speaking. In fact, the scripture calls us to be quick to listen. Did you know that? Slow to speak, slow to be angry, quick to listen. That is a good rule of thumb to live by no matter what. So healthy or constructive communication, it listens with the intent to understand. Stephen Covey said it, most people listen with the intent to reply. Uh, I'm I'm listening to what you say and I'm already formulating my response. No, no, no. Mm. Healthy, constructive communication listens with the intent to understand, not merely to reply. And listen, it seeks to solve the conflict, not win the argument. Wow. There's a difference between the two. You could win the argument and lose the war, bro. It ain't worth it. No, healthy, constructive communication wants to solve the conflict. So here's what we want to do for the next couple minutes on this portion of the message. We want to give you some of the exercises and skills that we actually walk couples through in a counseling session. And these are not new. We didn't make these up. You're going to be familiar with a lot of these. The problem isn't knowing about them. The problem is putting them into practice, all right? So one of the things you might want to do in order to develop healthy, constructive communication is to practice what we call reflective listening. You familiar with this concept? Reflective listening. So essentially what you're saying is um, when somebody speaks to you, rather than immediately defending or replying or arguing or trying to convince, you simply say, all right, what I hear you saying right now is, and then you restate what you believe the person is saying. One of two things will happen in this moment. Either they're going to say, no, knucklehead, that is not what I'm saying. How are you still missing the mark here? And they can clarify. So there aren't any you know, miscommunications. But the other thing that can happen is the person that you're um, having a conversation 
connection with can actually feel like, all right, at least they understand where I'm coming from. We, this isn't going to solve your, your, uh, your relational or communication difficulties, but it can help. So let me give you an example. And I'm going to choose this example, not because I have any personal experience with it or anything Never. like that. Never. It's just one that's come up a few times in marital <laughs> counseling. I'm not going to say whose. Anyway, so the wife says... It drives me crazy when you drop your dirty clothes on the floor. Literally, the basket is right there. It's right there. Just get your socks, get your clothes into the laundry. Now, if a husband is, um, if he's committed to destructive responses, destructive communication, you know how that husband might respond? He might say, you don't, listen, lady, I walk the dog, I shovel the snow, I take out the trash, you don't think I do anything around here. That's destructive. It's one way. We're talking at each other. We're not talking with each other. A more constructive response that includes reflective listening is to simply say, babe, I get it. You're upset right now because I still haven't got my clothes into the laundry basket. That's it. Now, notice, I haven't said anything about like, whether I think that really matters or not. I haven't said whether I think this is a stupid, am I talking first person? I mean, the husband is not saying, we're not, we're not acknowledging, we're not assigning blame. All we're doing is we are recognizing the feelings of the other person. Now look, again, that's not gonna be enough to solve a conflict, but it is enough to get you headed in the right direction. Because if I go the other way, and I'm just like, you don't appreciate what I do, then immediately we're at odds. We're pulling away from each other instead of working uh, towards the same solution with one another. So reflective listening. Second one is I statements, right? So we're speaking first person instead of second person. You know, our, our tendency, our default is to be like, you, 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 point the finger. I had an old pastor, he was old, but you know, he was a pastor in my past. And he used to say, every time you point one finger at somebody, you got three fingers pointing back at you, all right? And so when we're you, 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 we kind of ignore the stuff that's pointing back at us. And so we want to use I statements instead of you statements. Instead of saying, you do this, you're the problem, you're the one who's at fault here. We say, look, when this happens or when we go through something like this, I feel, and then fill in the blank. I feel like you are not listening. I feel like I'm not appreciated. I feel like my work goes unnoticed. That automatically puts us at a different posture when we're particularly in conflict because it's not about you. If I point the finger at you, you're immediately going on the defensive. So what we want to do is get aligned and moving in the same direction. So um, to keep going with this silly example of clothes on the floor. Um, mom, when you're dealing with your kids, right, and uh, they're the problem in your household, you got a good man, he knows how to get his clothes in the laundry, you've trained him well by this point, but kids are still the problem, okay? Um, Kids are still the problem. So instead of, you know, you always and you never, you know, those sorts of things, instead, you might say uh, to your kids, look, when I find your clothes on the floor, then I feel like you're really not listening to me. I'm the one that's getting your, your hockey gear washed every week and things like that. And so if you expect this to be taken care of, then I need you to get your stuff in the, in the laundry. So it's a different way of framing things. It's from my perspective rather than from the perspective of your faults. And then one more. Well, I think it's really important that we, we explain right here. It's yeah. important that you communicate how what their action is doing is making you feel. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, obviously, if you get heated, you, you know what, what they know that what you're doing is making them angry. But um, it's important that you say, that really upsets me when you're, I feel like you're not hearing me. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're not listening to me. Do you see why this would be helpful? Okay. Because again, I, I don't care about clothes on the floor. Like it doesn't matter to me. It's not that 
that big of a deal. I'll pick them up tonight. You know, we'll tidy up before we go to bed. No big deal, right? But the issue is not the clothes on the floor anymore. The issue is now that she feels disrespected or like her perspective is or unvalued or something like that. So we're talking about something different. So if we can start to frame this around emotions, about respect, about um, care for one another, then we can get over some of the sillier personal quirks and things like that that we might have. All right, one more. Um, so we've got reflective listening, we've got I statements, and then I'll just encourage you guys, cut out, get rid of, don't use the phrases always and never. Okay? Just don't do it. And here's why. They're almost never true. So if, if you're looking at your spouse or your coworker or whoever it is, you're like, you always do this. You always, 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 always. Or you never, 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 never. Okay. All your, your partner has to do is think of one example in which they did or they did not and then boom, I won the argument. You never pick your clothes up off the floor. Lady, I picked them up on Wednesday and you didn't even notice. Ha ha, I win this round, right? <laughs> Conflict. So rather than always and never, we're gonna say, look, look, it seems like the majority of the time, way more often than not, your clothes are still on the floor. We need to address this, all right? So we're gonna cut out the always and never because they're, it's inflammatory language. It's not gonna help and it's almost never actually true. All right, so constructive or destructive communication is one way, constructive communication is two way. Let me give you another form of destructive communication that we see a lot. And that is that destructive communication assumes the worst. Yeah in any given situation, just assumes the worst. Look, our default seems to be to put the worst possible spin on our spouse's actions or words, their motivations, you know, their reasoning, their goals. We tend to put the worst possible spin on it. So like, for instance, maybe Hubs is sitting on the couch and, you know, wife walks by and she sees that he's got the messenger app open, text message, and he's messaging somebody. She's like, oh, who are you texting? And he's like, you don't trust me, do you? That's why you're asking who I'm texting. You think it's my secret girlfriend. What's going on here? But that's assuming the worst about her question. She might've been like, dude, I was just asking who you're texting. Pump the brakes here. There was no ulterior motive that was going on behind that. We see this a lot, speaking of text messages in written communication. You know, when we do premarital counseling, we'll often tell couples, there are uh, certain things that can be really difficult for you to hash out verbally. And so it can be helpful to write it all out. You can exchange two page letters and maybe you'll get a better sense of how your partner's feeling. But listen, texting can be one of the most difficult ways to interpret tone and motive and things like that. And so I just, I see this time and time again in my own life and with others as well, that we get a, a written, a text uh, message from someone and we just automatically assume that they're mad or they're sarcastic or they're frustrated or whatever. And so we don't want to impart the worst possible motive or the worst possible explanation for what's going on here. We don't want to assume the worst about our partner's motivations, their communication, or their behavior. Right, and I think that sometimes this happens in a long relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, let's take our family, for instance, our parents. They know us from the very beginning of our life, and we graduate high school and all the mistakes in between, right? Yeah. They know us, mm -hmm. and then they don't, they mentally don't move on and let you grow. And I'm not putting blame on the parent in any way here, but have you ever heard like somebody, a friend say, I'm having really financial trouble, but I, I cannot move back in with my parents. I can't do it because that will not go over well. And really the reason of that is, is because the person that's growing into a different, like they're growing up, they're shedding things, they're letting go of things and they're growing into an adult, but the parent still sees them as a child and sees 
sees many of the mistakes that they made in adolescence and they're not able to move on. But the same thing can happen in marriages. Mm -hmm. Like who we were almost 18 years ago was not the same as who we are today. There's no. so much that we let go of, so much that we've grown into. I could put it like this. You've been married to about four different men, and all Whoa. of them are me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, I, like, we change. I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> it's true, though. We change over time. And, you know, couples are like, this is not the person I married. Yeah, they were never supposed to be. Do you want to be married to somebody who has the emotional maturity of a 20-year-old? No, you don't. You want them to change and grow and develop new interests and all those right, different things. Yeah. Right. And, and when we're assuming these things, we're assuming it based on who he was mm. almost 20 years ago. And I can't do that to him. I have to allow him to grow and mature and shed and and, and let go of some things. Yeah. And, and another way that we assume the worst is assuming that that person is like that other person. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. So this can happen if you've been divorced or mm. you were in a long-term relationship, it ended, and now you're in a new one. And what they did in that relationship, how quickly they got angry or how they never did this or always did that, um, you're going to put that expectation and assume that's what's happening in your new relationship. Mm. You can't do that. And yeah. we, we've seen this a lot of times in people who are remarried. You can't hold this person accountable for that person's sins, you know? And that's kind of what we're doing here when we're just assuming, like, so if our past wife had a problem with spending and our new wife one day makes an unexpected purchase, we can't drag into this new relationship all of the old negative emotions and experience and things like that. Now we can say, hey, look, babe, you know that there was a problem with this before. And so I want to make sure this doesn't get out of control. And, you know, I get it. But we don't want to hold them accountable for somebody else's sins. That's not fair. It's not healthy or constructive. And again, this still applies to everyday life. This applies to your workplace. Your old job, your old boss is not the same as your new boss. Mm -hmm. Your old church, your old pastor is not the same as your new pastor. Come on. And so you can't put those same assumptions. Well, this is how it went before. So it's going to be the same. You can't do that yeah. because you, you have to add communication. Ask, is this how is this working out and playing out? Um, because this is how it happened in the past. Let, let people know that are in your life and communicate that fear mm. so that they can help say, Hey, that's not how we do things here. So this next little bit I had written down as a uh, uh, we'll include this if we have time. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's something we can cut or whatever. And everyone's like, no, no, this needs to be said. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll leave it in. Um, so I have a tendency to assume the worst in a couple of ways. And in, in, this is just me, all right? Um, because we've been together for so long. We've been together for 20 years, been married for almost 18 years. Like after you've been with somebody for that long, you know them real doggone well, Okay. And so I can predict, and Amber can predict, this goes both ways. We can predict with a surprising degree of accuracy how conversations are typically going to go because we fall into the same communication patterns and ruts and habits that we always do. And so let's say there's something I want to talk to Amber about, maybe something that I know she may not want to hear, may not be happy about or whatever. So I'm preparing and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got to tell her this. She's probably going to say that, so then I'm going to say this, and then she's going to say that. It's like chess. You with me? You're thinking three or four moves ahead. But here's the deal. When you've been married for a couple of decades, you basically know what moves your partner's going to pull. 
You're able to predict it. So one of two things ends up happening. I go into a conversation, either A, I already know where this is going to end up, okay? I'm pretty sure with a, a good degree of accuracy, I know how this is going to resolve itself. So I'm going to tell her about it, and then I'm going to be frustrated with her because she doesn't already see the result that I've seen. Problem is, she's just learning about it. She hasn't gamed it out seven rounds ahead, <laughs> So it's totally unfair of me to be frustrated with her that she doesn't see the very obvious way this is all going to end. I've got to allow her to go on that journey with me instead of just assuming that she's going to immediately see it the way that I do. The other way that this plays out, and this is the one that I'm probably more guilty about, is that I'm gaming this conversation out in my head. So I say one thing, Amber says another, and I don't like what Amber says. And so I get a little frustrated. Now, this is all in my head, remember, okay? So I get a little frustrated. And I'm like, well, listen, you know, this, come on, just see. And then I know she's going to say that. And I'm like, no, no, come on. So now I'm five or six levels of frustration in when we have round one of the actual conversation. <laughs> you with me? And she's like, why are you so tense? And why are you so defensive right now? How did this right escalate now? so like, quickly? It feels so escalated for this initial volley of conversation. And it's because I'm assuming the worst. I'm assuming I know how the conversation is going to go. I don't know her. I really don't know my wife. I wasn't a part of that conversation. She wasn't, yeah, that, that's it. She wasn't even a part of the conversation that I had in my head. This is all destructive communication. It's all assumption. It's all, it's all bringing in the worst possible, you know, um, expectation of how things are going to go or her motivations or whatever. Instead of doing that, thank you for forcing me to keep that in there, okay? <laughs> um, instead of doing that, we need to focus on constructive communication, which believes the best. See, destructive communication assumes the worst. Constructive communication, it believes the best. It is willing to give or impart the best possible explanation for our spouse's behavior, their words, their tone, whatever it is. You want to think to yourself, what is the best possible spin that I can put on this right now? And until they have given me reason not to believe that that's the, the situation here, until I know that they're really ticked, until I know that they're actually being sarcastic via their use of emoji, whatever it is, until I know, then I'm just going to assume the best. I'm going to believe the best about my spouse, all right? I'm going to choose to put the best possible spin on this that I absolutely you, can. You know when this can really get dangerous, I'm just assuming and having this conversation in your head, is when you actually put action to it. So um, you know that she's not going to want you to buy that thing. Hmm. You have this argument play out. Instead, you don't want to actually have the argument, so you just go buy the thing, and then you're like, I'll deal with her later. <laughs> or you know that he's not going to want to go out with that and do that couples thing together or that activity, but you book it anyway, and then you're like, well, if I book it, he has to go. You, you know what I mean? Like, you're already oh, having you the <laughs> I'm with you. I'm tracking. You're it's almost like you're describing my relationship. This is weird. I mean, guys, like, it might feel like we're reading your mail, but we've been married for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> We've been through this. We know. And so um, it, it's really, really important that you actually have the conversation. Yeah, so true.
ultimately, this is not just self-help. I mean, this, there's a spiritual component to this, you guys. Mm -hmm. This comes down to speaking prophetically about your spouse, yeah. building them into the person that God wants them to be yeah. rather than the person that they are today. Uh, there's just something to this. Now, listen, if you're a Baptist and you're like, that sounds like Pentecostal nonsense, no. There is a way in which you can speak over the people in your Come life on. that will call them into who God yes. wants them to be. Yes. And if you're a Pentecostal and you're like, all right, well, I'm just going to speak a Lambo into my driveway. No, that's not how it works either, okay? So like there is a way people tend to become what others say about them. It's just how it is. And so if your spouse is constantly saying you're dumb, you're an idiot, guess what? You're going to start to believe that about yourself. But if your spouse is saying, I care about you, I believe the best in you, I think we can get through this together, they will start to assume that that is the truth. And so it really does come down to speaking prophetically. We could even summarize it like this. Your words are either building the person that you want to be married to, or they're tearing down the person you have to be married to. Wow. That's what it is. Wow. Your words are building them up construction or they are tearing them down. It's demolishing. And so we want to yeah. speak life to one yeah. another rather than simply assuming the worst. Okay. So uh, destructive communication assumes the worst constructive communication. It really does believe the best. What's the best possible explanation I can put in here for my spouse's um, actions, tone, motive, whatever it might be. All right. Um, Let's talk about uh, another form of destructive communication. Destructive communication believes that everybody else thinks like me, believes that everybody else sees things the way that I see them, processes information the same way that I process information. You get in any relationship for any length of time, and you're going to find out, oh, not everybody processes things the way that I do. Not everybody thinks like I do. Now, listen to me. When you're dating and when you're in your honeymoon phase, you're like, oh, I love that about my partner. It's so great that they are just intuitive and so in touch with their emotions. Like she's, she's just so emotional and I love that. Like she cares so deeply and it's a beautiful, it's part of what attracts. Listen, this is the conversation I have in every premarital counseling session and I'm secretly rolling my eyes going, this is gonna be the thing that you hate about your spouse in a couple of years. <laughs> Because this is what's going to cause conflict. This is what's going to make you guys butt heads because they don't want to talk it out. They just want to make a gut decision. And you're like, but what if the gut decision is wrong? Or they want to go through, you know, like two months of financial planning before they make a decision. And you're like, I cannot bear that many spreadsheets. You guys are going to, you're going to end up um, frustrated with the fact that your partner does not think the way that you do. And listen, we know this intuitively. We do. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about like the Enneagram, which is Amber's favorite personality thing, or Myers-Briggs, or True Colors, or DISC, or any other of uh, the other like typing that we do. We've got to recognize that people think differently than we do. They process things differently than we do. And most importantly, no system or approach is any better than the other. None of it is any better. And so we tend to talk about people who are like um, spewers and stuffers in counseling. You know what I mean? So there are people that verbally process. They're just talking out loud. They haven't come to any conclusions. They don't know where this thing is going to go. They just like talking about it because as they talk about it, connections start to form in their brain. They feel a lot more comfortable. Then you've got stuffers who are like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I want to think about it. I want to sit with this for a while. It's going to take me some time. No, don't come ask me if I have an answer yet. I don't have an answer yet. I'll come to you when I have an answer, right? 
And we've got to be careful as stuffers and processors because we can use that as a way to continue to punt the football down the road. You know, it's like, oh no, I haven't figured it out. Let me think about it some more. And eventually the other person's like, look, we got to make a decision here. So there are all of these different ways in which we work and think and process and make decisions. And so if we go into this frustrated because everybody doesn't talk like us, they don't solve conflict the way that we do. They don't make decisions in the same manner. Then we're going to end up really, really hating each other frustrated because we don't feel like any sort of progress is being made. And then let me remind you, I mean, every time I hear this, it blows my mind. The vast majority of communication has nothing or very little to do with the actual words that you use. Do you realize that? Studies have been done on communication. And basically what researchers have told us is that 7% of your meaning is communicated through the words you actually use. 7% percent is the actual words. 38% of it is tone and 55% of it is body language. Body language. That's crazy. So let me tell you how this played out this week in our marriage. We, we, normally, we normally talk about our stories ahead of time so that we know where they're going and we don't surprise one another. I'm going to go off script for a moment, but it's at my expense, so it's okay. Um, so we're at our new place and we're setting up and Amber had just bought this like water filter, right? She's very excited about this water filter and she's got to put it together. And normally I'm the one who puts stuff together, but I was busy putting other stuff together. So she was like, I got this. Don't worry about it. It's got instructions. How hard can it be? So she's putting it together and I can tell she's frustrated, but I'm busy with my own stuff and I really don't want to take time out. Plus I don't want to overstep. She told me she got it, you know, all those sorts of things. So I'm over here and eventually Amber's like, can you come over here and give me a hand? She said it exactly like that. Now look, I said, happy to help. It's the right thing, right? Happy to help. <laughs> Except what I really said was, <sighs> happy to help. 7% words, 93% tone and body language on that one, all right? See, I said the right things, but I didn't say it in the right way. And so, you know, a lot of how we communicate, man, it is much more than the words we use. And people are going to receive all of that so differently. You know what I mean? So we've got to recognize that there are differences and we've got to accommodate for those differences. Construct, so destructive communication believes everyone would think like me. Constructive communication is willing to learn your partner. Constructive communication is willing to learn your partner. I don't have this verse on the screen, but I just want you to hear it. First Peter chapter number three, verse seven. The Bible says this, in the same way, you husbands give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Some translations say, dwell with her according to knowledge. Get to know her, what works, what doesn't work, what sets her off and what makes her feel cherished and then actually do it. Look, when you first started dating, you were the greatest student of that person on planet Earth. You know what I mean? It was like you had discovered some treasure and you wanted to know everything there was about that treasure. And so you devoted yourself to learning what's your favorite and what's your best and tell me about your, you know what I mean? You just spent all of that time investing. And then as the relationship goes on, either you lose some of that interest or you feel like you've already learned all there is. You forget that partners change over time. And so you've got to constantly be 
be learning. And so we have to be willing to get to know our partner again and again, day after day, investing in discovering who they absolutely are, okay? Dwell with them according to knowledge. I think it's important, and we're going to give a shout out to a book here. So um, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's, it's been a good around one. for it a really long is. time. It's a good one. It's so good. So get it. If you've never read it, read it. it. It will change every relationship that you have. But it's really important that we understand how each other loves, mm. because the way that we love is the way that we communicate. And so I am a, I love by gifts. And I love by like giving gifts and receiving. I feel love when I receive gifts and physical touch, which is probably why I'm a massage therapist. But also, <laughs> yes, intimacy touch too. But um, but Daniel, <laughs> did that get weird? Um, I did make that weird. But, Not intentionally. <laughs> but but Daniel's his are different. Mm -hmm. We're a bit of opposite. So his are acts of service and words of affirmation. And so we... And which two are your lowest, by the way? <laughs> Those. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. And my lowest are yours. It's a... <laughs> so, so we have to work mm. on understanding. I, I see that he's loving me by doing the dishes more than I do them. Right? I see that. And, and then when he actually does give me flowers or buys my favorite chocolate or whatever, buys me a new pair of shoes, come on. Yeah. That, that's above and beyond. That's a big deal. Like he's tapped into not his love language, but mine. And that makes me appreciate it so much more. And when, when you can understand how each other loves, even if on, you're on a different wavelength, it can game change your marriage, you guys. It can. But let me, uh, okay, so let me show you another way that this has played out. We're just bearing all the laundry today, okay? Um, so um, if, I, if mine is words of affirmation, I need her to tell me that she loves me, she respects me, I'm wonderful, I'm the best, I'm the handsomest, whatever. I don't even care if she lies at this point. She just needs to tell me, right? <laughs> so what will happen is if I don't feel like I'm getting that from her, destructively, I will go to her and say, girl, you look good today. Like, you really look beautiful. I love it. I'm so proud of you. You're doing so well. And it may be true, but in reality, what I'm trying to hint at is, come on, now reciprocate, right? And a lot of times, because it's not her primary love language, she's like, thank you. And she rolls. She's like, wow, he's so nice. And I'm like, yes, I am. So constructive communication, two-way communication, would be like, Babe, just every so often, can you just tell me, remind me that you love me, that you're proud of me, that I'm doing a good job, that things are going to be okay? You know what I mean? Like, because that's what I need to be, that's what fuels me. It's what fills me, right? And so um, we do have to understand how our partner is receiving or wants to receive love and communication, all those different things, okay? Five love languages, totally worth it. Get it, okay? So destructive communication assumes everybody thinks like me. Constructive communication is willing to learn your partner. Last one we'll give you. Destructive communication gossips to those who can't change your spouse. Destructive communication gossips to those who can't change things. I, like, I can't tell you how many times in counseling sessions there will be the complaint of one spouse who's like, listen, they, and I'm not going to say she or he because it really does go both directions, like, all they do is go whine to their mom or their brother or their sister about how bad things are. 
I just feel like they're constantly bad-mouthing me. They are constantly sharing all of our problems, all the things that I'm, you know, I would like to keep private. They just, they talk to these people about them. They put me on blast, essentially, and I'm not happy with it. I'm not comfortable with it, all right? Um, in Genesis chapter number two, verse 24, and then two other times throughout the scripture, we're told that in a marriage that a man leaves his father and mother and he cleaves. Remember we said that word means glued. He is glued to his wife. And a lot of times in relationships, we haven't actually left our families of origin. We still rely on them to validate us. We still rely on them to meet our needs when we don't feel like our spouse is coming through. And your family should be there for you and they should help, but you should never prioritize that relationship over your marriage. You should never um, build that relationship or gain from that relationship at the expense of this one. This is the one that needs priority. And so rather than gossiping about your spouse, which is what it essentially is, we only wanna share with people who genuinely have our best interests at heart and we want to do it in such a way that acknowledges the difficulties, the difficult season that you might be going through, but it's still as honoring and respectful of your yes. spouse as you can be. Yes. Because you guys have seen this. You've experienced it yourself. What happens is you complain to your friend or to your parents or whatever, and, and they hear the, the bad, and then you go home and you guys make up. You don't call your mom up and you're like, Mom, we made up. I just want you to know everything's cool again. Like, you don't do that. And so they're left with the, man, they have a lot of problems. And that guy just doesn't seem to get it. Like, man, they, I don't think this is going to work out. And it's like, you know, these are the natural ebbs and flows of a relationship. We have to be really careful who it is that we're bringing into our marriage, particularly when we're discussing problems, bedroom stuff, whatever it might be. Like, we shouldn't be gossiping or talking about those things with people who have no ability to change those and situations. you see this a lot. Like, if you, I'm sure you've had people in your life where you get in a friend circle, a social situation, and there's that one person that's talking about their partner or spouse and just tearing them apart. Mm. And it's so awkward. Yeah. You're like, they're like right there. Like they're in the room. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, this is a weird passive aggressive way to have an argument without having an argument. Yeah. It's so obvious to every single person in the room, except for them, that they just don't have clear communication skills. They're not going home and talking about it. And so because they're not talking about it, now one of them is going out and talking to everybody about <laughs> it. And that's not healthy. You have to develop these healthy communication skills. So destructive communication gossips to those who can't change things. And hello, constructive communication praise to the one who can change yes. things. God is called the wonderful counselor in the Bible. Who doesn't need a wonderful counselor in their marriage? The scripture tells us the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to change us, to make us more into the people that God wants us to be. You catch that? Dude, it is not your job to change your wife. Ladies, it's not your job to change your husband doesn't mean that they can't learn and grow. You can't hold them accountable. But listen, if you're a believer, and it, as we've talked about over the last few weeks with that triangle, if the Holy Spirit is really the point that God is the place at which you're both growing towards, then you can entrust your partner to the work of the Holy Spirit, and he can accomplish things that you cannot. If your partner needs to change, pray that the Holy Spirit would do a work and change them. 
if your partner needs to be convicted, then I'm gonna go tell the Holy Spirit on you, all right? If you're doing wrong, I'm just gonna go tell God you're doing wrong and I'm gonna let him handle this and, and maybe bring about some conviction because I don't wanna nag, I don't wanna destroy, I don't wanna tear down, but there are some things that need to be dealt with. So healthy communication and healthy prayer life is so, so vital. The most important thing you can do for your spouse is to pray for them every day. Pray for them every single day. It's the most important thing you can do for the health of your relationship, for the strength of your marriage. Listen to me now. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. It can build or it can destroy. And it goes on to say, those who love it, those who use it for good or for bad will eat the fruit of it. So we wanna have healthy fruit. We wanna have constructive communication. We wanna have strong marriages and vital workplaces and spirit-filled churches. And the only way that that's gonna happen is if we choose to use our words in a way that build one another up according to what they need to hear.